I'm Liz Wall. You might remember me from when I dropped the mic on live television. I'm proud to be an American and believe in disseminating the truth. And that is why, after this newscast, I'm resigning. That was back in 2014. It was for a Russian-backed international cable news channel. I covered the news, but opinion hosts and guests were often political outsiders, considered to be on the far left or the far right, and some conspiracy theorists. Our country is literally fighting for its life from a multinational global takeover. Eventually, this channel became part of a media ecosystem, working together to elect U.S. President Donald Trump. And those fringe figures would become part of the political mainstream, regulars on places like Fox News. This is so deep. It's a deep state. They want retribution. I want more people getting it like Sean Hannity. This case shows how fake news can lead to a dangerous situation. Today, Americans occupy two entirely separate information bubbles, and a significant part of the country has been radicalized against democracy. Your social media feed may have been part of Russia's interference in the election. Hackers, trolls, bots. We've all heard a lot about Russia's attempts to plant fake news in Western democracies to try to influence the way we vote. How do we get to this point where tens of millions of Americans have been pushed to the extremes of unreality? How do we fix it? Can we? I'm Liz Wall, and that's what we are going to be diving into on this podcast. Our guest today is Jim Swift. He is senior editor at The Bulwark. Before that, he was at The Weekly Standard. He's also worked on The Hill as a tax staffer for Representative Jeff Davis and Senator John Kyle. Before that, he was a field staffer for President Bush's re-election campaign. So having been involved in Republican politics, he is well positioned to discuss how this party has devolved. So Jim, you're a former member of the Republican Party, a party now more accurately labeled as um, the conspiracy anti-democracy party. Um, what has happened to your former party? Uh, I mean, uh, it used to be that there was always a fringe conspiratorial element on the right, usually among senior citizens. And uh, now it's sort of uh, the uh, requirement to to be a Republican candidate now is to wink and nod at whatever conspiracy theory is popular on the right. Um, it's I, I don't I don't recognize the the party I once worked for. Um, you know, I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a liberal. I'm still a conservative. But, um, you know, uh, January 6th uh, was uh, something I took very personally as a former Hill staffer um, and as a journalist who worked there. Um, but when the Republicans uh, rejected the January 6th bipartisan kind of 9-11 style commission, that was it for me. I was like, I, I can't identify with, with this party anymore. I'm, I'm conservative, I, uh, but I already knew I wasn't going to vote for any of the people who, you know, supported Trumpism. But um, that for me was a bridge too far. And so I, I just left. Yeah. Speaking of um, conservatives and kind of the conservatives of the past, um, you think about somebody like like John McCain when he was running for president and a video that sticks with me that went viral is when a woman, he was in a town hall meeting, a woman stands up and is spouting off this birther conspiracy theory. I got to ask you a question. I don't not uh, believe in, I can't trust Obama. 
I, I have read about him, and he's not, he's not, he's a, um, he's an Arab. He is not. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He's a, he's, a, he's a decent family man, citizen that I just happen to have disagreements with on, on fundamental issues, and that's what this campaign is all about. He's not. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So we saw how Republicans like John McCain really played a role in tempering the dark impulses of, of the party, as you explained, that, that were always there. But now we're seeing that those darkest impulses are being encouraged. Um, and what do you think the, the consequences of that have been? I mean, I think the, the consequence is Republicans uh, think they're, they're trying. They don't care about voters like me anymore. They're trying to service their base. Uh, Virginia, where I live, we have our gubernatorial candidate. Virginia is, has uh, their election one year after whatever the presidential is. And is it's widely regarded as sort of like a, you know, a test to see uh, how the party who didn't win the last election is doing. So we have this candidate who is this uh, failed uh, venture capitalist named Glenn Youngkin. And uh, Virginia Republicans actually got rid of the state-run primary. They did a self-imposed uh, caucus because uh, they didn't want this super Trumpy woman named Amanda Chase, who's a state senator, to win. So Glenn Youngkin beat out Cox and uh, Amanda Chase uh, and, and won the nomination. But one of the things he really built his campaign on was election integrity. Now, Donald Trump lost Virginia in 2016, and he lost it in 2010. In 2010, he lost it handily, too, because um, uh, Biden was a much better candidate than, than Hillary was. Uh, there was no discernible sign of voter fraud whatsoever in Virginia. And this guy is like, we need election integrity. Virginia has voter ID. And literally, he couldn't prove anything on this, uh, that, there, that there were signs of fraud. So uh, at a rally, I wrote a story about this maybe a week or two ago. You know, he was at some event and election truthers started popping up. And uh, I said, by not doing what John McCain did, which is shut them down, he is encouraging this sort of mindset. And his campaign was very mad. And then two weeks later, he goes uh, at Liberty University to an election integrity rally, rally where people were alleging that Joe Biden stole the election. You just the sad part about today's Republican Party is you have to do a wink and a nod to any of these crazy conspiracy theories, no matter how crazy you can't you can't talk down to them. And if you do, you won't win. You won't win your primary. You won't win your election. It just goes to show what happens when people go down these rabbit holes of of conspiracy, when they spin so far out of the realm of reality that they can do some really run unimaginable, unimaginable things. Um, there is this disturbing news. I don't know if you heard this story. A California dad has been charged with murdering his own two children. Have you heard of this by chance? Yeah, the QAnon guy in Mexico. Yeah, a two-year-old son. He thought they were literally lizard people. Literally, he, he thought that they had a serpent DNA. And he came across this conspiracy theory. I, I, it seems like he went down this internet rabbit hole. He was a believer of QAnon, the Illuminati, and um, and it, and so 
these people, uh, there used to be a time where it would be difficult to explain the danger of conspiracy theorists um, because people think that they're so crazy, they're so nutty, they're just the minority. Why amplify these stories? But I think it's important to now because it shows the danger of of falling into these radical forms of thinking. And we see it um, having merged with one of the main parties. You know, we only have, we're a two-party system uh, for the most part. And we're seeing that one major party is is essentially the conspiracy party. Um, and we're and, uh, the insurrection on January 6th, 6th kind of shows um, that in a really full, ugly picture, the kind of power of conspiracy theory. Um, I know that labels are tricky, but I feel like we sometimes, we might have to call it what it is. And it's becoming, it's an anti-democracy party. Is this, is it becoming a, a, a fascist, fascistic party? I would say that the tendency is there. I mean, I know your background. I mean, you used to work at Russia Today and, you know, one of the, one of your claims to fame was that, you know, you said enough. I can't, I can't be part of this anymore. Um, Republicans used to hate Russia. They used to think of them as the enemy, enemy going back to, to Reagan. And that was one of the things, you know, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Uh, but now you see uh, not only Russia worship on the right, you see uh, Russia, uh, uh, worship of people um, like Jair Bolsonaro, um, Viktor Orban. Uh, they love the strong man uh, on the right. Uh, it's, it's, it is increasingly fascistic. I agree with you. And, um, you know, the same, what really kind of bothers me is the inconsistency of a lot of people, the same people who got very mad at the left for mocking Mitt Romney for saying in his debate with Barack Obama in 2012, that Russia was our greatest geostrategic political foe now are like Trump's awesome. Romney sucks. And Russia's great, uh, because it's white because it's Christian and because it has a strong man. Those, those are basically the three things that a lot of Republican voters like. And, um, uh, you know, consistency is not uh, a virtue. It, it, it perhaps used to be. I mean, it is to me, but I think on the right, people uh, uh, used to go after people for whataboutism, but whataboutism is the pose now. Um, yeah. That, yeah. It's just, you know, any any critique of the right or anyone the right likes or reveres, well, what about Cory Bush? You know, what about the squad? Uh, you know, we, we don't need to talk about Madison Cawthorn or Marjorie Taylor Greene or, uh, you know, Steve King or any of these things. What about them? What about them? They're just as bad, you see? And um, I, 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 you know, I wouldn't have thought many, many moons ago that my party would devolve into something like this, my former party, I should say. Um, but it clearly has. And um, it's really disappointing. Yeah. Um, another kind of troubling development is this uh, infatuation with Prime Minister Viktor Orban, the Prime Minister of Hungary. Viktor Orban, Hungary's populist prime minister, whose hostility to immigration has fueled the rise of a rebooted nationalism. Uh, the example of Hungary kind of serves as a cautionary example of a Orban at one point was kind of center right and to kind of play to the darker conspiratorial elements of society. He has very much moved to the far right, um, becoming more uh, adopting the policies of the far right party called Jobbik. 
And um, it, it's if you look at how he ran his campaign, a lot of it, he uses rhetoric kind of invoking the George Soros conspiracy theory, kind of casting him as the reason for all of society's ills. Um, a lot, again, there's a lot of anti-Semitic overtones there, um, a lot of um, racist overtones, a lot of um, just conspiratorial rhetoric that is now, it's not even, it's not looked down upon at all in Hungary. It's kind of um, the way that politics, the, the discourse of politics. Um, and so it's been remarkable to see Tucker Carlson was in Hungary recently, um, I guess saying this is, this is, I mean, how is it that that's how we want to be? It is so, I mean, they have cracked down. It's essentially the European Union has recognized it as, you know, increasingly authoritarian. Um, if anything, it should be a cautionary tale of what we don't, you know, what we don't want to be. But here we have a party that is trying to push us literally um, into authoritarianism as this ideal example. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, Tucker Carlson is someone who used to work at the magazine where I used to work. He was a very talented writer. Um, he comes from wealth and um, you know, the, you know, you, you can look at Tucker Carlson and compare him to other sort of people. And I wrote an article about when kayfabe, which is like wrestling posturing gets you killed. Um, there are some people who, you know, they, they do it because they believe in it. Tucker Carlson works at a place that has vaccine passport or, you know, a vast vaccine passport mandate at Fox news. Uh, and here he is in Hungary, which actually has literal plastic vaccine passports. Not like those little three by five cards we have in the U S that I have in my wallet. And he, he's just doing all of it. And for him, it's just a, it's just a huge show. And um, but there are other people like Rod Dreher from the American Conservative, um, Steve Hayward and other people who are going to the, this you know conservative street festival. It's like turning you up, turning point USA, but for Hungarians. And they're just talking about how great this country is. Um, and it, it's just kind of shocking to be um, how out in the open uh, the, this sort of propagandic effort is is going. Um, there was there was a story maybe like 15, 10, 15 years ago where conservative writers were secretly on the take from the government of Malaysia. And uh, one of those was Ben Dominic, who is now a, a Fox News host, a wife of Meghan McCain, um, but was secretly accepting foreign government money to, to do their propaganda. Um, but now, you know, with Hungary, it's just it's all out in the open. You know, they're like, hey, I'm going I, I came to this conference. Hungary is great. You you should see how awesome it is here. I accepted a fellowship or something. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's I think it's fundamentally un-American to accept foreign money uh, to do uh, <clears throat> shilling as a journalist, uh, you know, just because you like them because they're white and they're Christian and they have a strong man leader. Um, it's, uh, it, but the, nobody's hiding it anymore. I think that's the difference between, uh, the way, um, Compromot and, uh, influence peddling and propaganda happened, uh, many, many years ago. Now people are like celebrating that they work. They're basically effectively working for the government of Hunter. You brought up anti-Americanism and it seems like you know, the, the Republicans are supposed to be the kind of this patriotic party. Now it's a nationalistic party, 
but it's and it's also somehow anti-American. Um, how is it able to live in this kind of dual in this duality, being ultra-nationalist and also pseudo-patriotic, but also being anti-American in its values? You got an early taste of this, you know, during the Trump administration when uh, I forget what country was it Macedonia it was it was some some smaller nation wanted to join NATO, and you just saw it on the right, and they're like, "Why should we agree to defend them?" And like the point is, because they're not Russia, you know. Like there are a lot of members of NATO, including Turkey. You know, Turkey is a prime example, a place where we have military bases uh, in Sherlock, we have nuclear weapons. And we have a foreign policy that doesn't necessarily like add up with Turkey. But at the end of the day, like Russia is a common enemy. Um, you know, the Armenians have, have kind of teamed up with 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 the Russians. Um, but like Republicans used to believe that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And um, even if they are not perfect. And that's just sort of the odd thing about this quasi American first uh, propaganda that you see Tucker and others doing. Um, it seems that when one, it's 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 ironic and weird. They're going to foreign countries to talk about how great they are, um, and you know, un, under the auspices of America First. But it's just odd because when you hear what they're saying, it doesn't seem like they really like America all that much. They they seem to think that places like Hungary or uh, you know are, are better. And uh, I, I still haven't been able to square that circle. And I want to ask you, because I have spoken to a lot of people that are kind of in despair over family members and friends, people that they once knew, maybe once respected that have fallen down a the rabbit hole of radicalization and they can no longer yeah. have conversations with these people. Sometimes it's their grandparents, sometimes it's their parents. I mean, I have plenty of pe people like this in my life. Um, I try to be sympathetic because I see that they're victims of, on the one hand, victims of, of information, victims of disinformation. You know, they're watching mm -hmm. Fox News and this is what they're being told. They're what they're logging on to Facebook and their peers and people that they respect are saying, you know, the vaccines have a chip in it. Um, the Democrats are run some kind of a secret pedophile ring. Um, there is a deep state, you know, all these totally nutty things. Um, it's kind of they're they're a victim of the disinformation. On the other hand, the Republicans are supposed to be the party of personal responsibility, right? How do we? Is there any hope for de-radicalization, for deprogramming? Um, how do we fix this if we can? I'm not sure what the fix is, um, and I'm not immune from this. Even though, you know, when I worked on the Hill a dozen years ago. You know, you'd hear conspiracies that Obama was selling Alaskan islands to the Russians or, you know, kind of things that sounded somewhat innocuous. But, uh, you know, that that was sort of a gateway drug to birtherism. If you're willing to believe the second you're willing to believe one of these conspiracy theories, it's unfortunately sort of off to the races. And what we do at the Bulwark, I was just talking with um, one of our um, uh Bulwark Plus members before before we got on the phone, he had a you know a question. So I looked up his phone number and I called him. And he was telling me and he and his wife, you know, like thanks for keeping us sane. Um, you know, I'm like, that is sort of a lonely island. And um, you know, they were mentioning that one of their kids um has been sucked down into these kind of conspiracy rabbit holes. And uh the the, the wife read me a text saying, like, you know, uh, some plot from the MWO 
And I told her, I'm like, look, I think the, the best way to combat this is with humor. Um, New World Order uh, was also a WWF wrestling term. So it's just like, you should just write back. I didn't know you were a fan of wrestling. <laughs> um, you know, because like, if, if you, if you, if you start attacking the sources, you become this, this kind of common enemy. You know, the, the problem with conspiratorial thinking is, um, if you really push back in like the way that most people would, um, we, there's a political strategist named Mike Murphy. And he was like, if your banker came out from the back room wearing an adult diaper, you would take your business to a different bank. But I think a better way of dealing it with is humor. So if like someone's telling you the New World Order and George Soros, you know, are going to, you know, take over the local water plant, you just joke, ah, oh, geez, I didn't know you were a fan of wrestling. And then they're going to Google it. You kind of like disarm them in a way where you've discounted what they've had to say with a joke, but not in a way that makes them feel like they are the joke. There, there may be no way to get someone out of that rabbit hole, but if you can kind of find out kind of come up with disarming ways to uh to kind of joke with them um you know uh your relationship will be better but if you immediately go and confront them and be like no i'm sorry alex jones is a psychopathic nut job and he doesn't even believe what he says uh that person's gonna be like well you're on the take so yeah. it's uh, i agree that you do we, ha we have to try to find humor in this absolute absurd twilight zone alter whatever is going on right now um that you need to be able to laugh at it but i think the key is to hold conspiracy theorists accountable like people like tucker carlson his words he has a strong platform um you can't for example you can't do that in europe um in germany where I am at the moment, um, there's strong laws against uh, anything, any kind of propaganda resembling fascist ideology, symbols, anything like that. Um, I know a lot of the the kind of the defense is like, you know, First Amendment, we don't want to infringe on people's First Amendment rights, but there's a certain point where it's not, you know, hate speech, disinformation, extremism, all that stuff is not that's we we can recognize that when we see it and it's not um it's not adding, it's not any adding anything productive to the conversation we're seeing this with the vaccines we're seeing it in our political discourse and, and all that um lastly i want to ask you how on earth were you able to not be radicalized because it's so common um for if if for for republicans so the ones that i've known if if they're not fully immersed in that ideology, they become a kind of apologists for it, you know, saying, oh, it's not that bad or, oh, you know, just what aboutism or making excuses or kind of diverting or changing the subject and still voting for these people that are encouraging this radical ideology. How do you, how did you keep your values and morals and all of that? Because it's so hard to resist that tribal urge. And I think that's what we're seeing with people like Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I, I don't give him a pass because you're, you're you've been an elected to you, you've been elected to follow the Constitution to do what's best as an elected official, not not necessarily what is you know what's going to get you political points. But he seems to you know it's hard to break from that tribe, and we're seeing people that have broken from the tribe. They're really getting punished for it. They're getting sanctioned. 
they're getting bullied, their lives have been threatened. Um, so how, I feel like that's part of this de-radicalization process is how do you, how do you kind of comfortably take a stand and say, you know what, this isn't me. I'm, I'm not part of this tribe. If this is what the tribe is, I'm not part of it, you know? Yeah, and that's why I'm regrettably uh, so down on what what is the kind of fallback to normal for the Republican Party, and I don't think it's happening anytime soon. I was, I think, really lucky that um, over the course of years, when I worked in government, when I worked on, on campaigns, that I had really good principled bosses. Um, after Trump won the nomination, um, you know, there was this kind of brief harumph, if you remember, at the 2016 GOP con convention in Cleveland, where I'm from, uh, where, you know, you saw Mike Lee, you saw Ken Cuccinelli, and, and them, you know, no, objecting. And then they they all just kind of turned into it. Um, and I mean, when you've worked in professional Republican politics, like I have my entire life, my first boss was Josh Mandel, who's a U.S. Senate candidate from Ohio and has turned into an absolute wackadoodle. Um, uh, I thought Josh was a good guy a long time ago. Um, he was, you know, a patriotic, America-loving Marine who would go and knock on every door and try and earn your vote. And, you know, now I've just seen him turn into a caricature of, of what almost everyone on the right has become, which is just a, a can I swear on this podcast? Sure. <laughs> okay. A shit posting meme Lord, you know, um, and, and that's all he cares about. It's not about policy. It's not about agenda. Um, it was easier for me to kind of stay the course because I had bosses unlike him who were principled and, you know, is, is the, our four years under, uh, under Trump uh, bore on, um, you know, I lost my job, my magazine, the Weekly Standard was shut down because uh, we were not supportive of Trump. And um, I would have people reach out to me and they're just like, I've passed the point of no return. I can't do this anymore. It's unfortunately easier for people who have seen and worked for really great bosses, like I've had the, the privilege of being able to have, than it is just your random Joe Schmo voter off the street. Um, because they read the Breitbarts, they read the Fox, they watch the Fox News, they, you know, they listen to, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, Buck Sexton and, you know, the Rush Limbaugh replacement. They listen to Mark Levin. That's, that's their entire diet. And we try and offer something a little bit different. But um, I do think that in the 2020 election, um, people who read my website, The Bulwark, who lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who lived in Detroit, Michigan, who lived uh, in Pennsylvania and, and in Arizona, where my boss you know, used to be a senator from, there were enough people over the course of those four states or in Georgia where uh, they just said, no, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, I wish there were more of them and I hope we can, we can grow our numbers in that respect. I mean, but um, I talked with a lot of those voters. We have a sister uh, group called Republican Voters Against Trump. And um, a lot of people feel like aliens in their own community. They feel disowned by their family. They feel disowned by their friends. They don't recognize a party that, you know, they didn't have to work for for 20 years to realize that things have changed. And, um, you know, I think those voters made the difference. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in Virginia for our election this fall and in the midterms. But 
um, you know, Republicans are just counting on the base. They don't want to win voters that they lost in 2020. And uh, they're just hoping that they can get more voters uh, like the Trump voters they got in 2016 to come out and beat the Democrats and not have to make any amends with any of the crazy stuff that uh, they've been doing. Yeah. I'm wondering if people like Kevin McCarthy that have um, been enablers in all of this, if they care about their legacy, um, because it's so obvious that this is so toxic to democracy um, that I wonder how they've never reached a point where they're like, you know, I'm done. This is there's this no job is worth this. You know, it's not worth my my legacy. I have children, grandchildren that, you know, this is going to be your stamp on this really critical period in in American history where we're so destabilized um, and we really need everybody to be doing their part to. Um, stand up and 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 kind of work to strengthen democracy instead of actively working to tear it down. Um, and it's been so disheartening to see how willing people are um, to just jump on that bandwagon for for what? Um, but one hundred seven thousand dollars a year. I mean, look at Paul Ryan. I mean, Paul Ryan makes more at Fox News than he ever did as Speaker of the House of Representatives. Uh, I think a lot of these people are thinking about what their next job is. You know, Jason Chaffetz is a former Utah congressman who's a CNN contributor. Uh, I would be shocked if uh, they made less money being media personalities than they did uh, as members of Congress. And uh, maybe that's the legacy they want. But uh, it's 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 just very disheartening um, as someone who took the oath and swore allegiance to the Constitution, as all staffers do, um, you know, to, to see these elected officials that we put our trust in, um, you know, go from one day like McCarthy uh, going after Trump and the insurrectionists to uh, pretending that, you know, basically it never happened. Yeah. These are, yeah, uh, I, it's alarming times we live in. Um, I know that some people feel like, you know, Biden was elected, that train wreck is behind us. But I think that um, we actually need to be more vigilant because so much of the U.S. has become radicalized. So much of the party is so much farther right. But um, every bit helps. And I appreciate you speaking out against it and kind of remaining sane, despite how your tribe has um, has gone, has took took a very different road. So thank you so much for your insight on this. And I'm hoping that um, you can speak more proudly about your party at some point in the future. I, I'm not too, I'm not too optimistic, but who knows? I have my doubts.